you were in a class with Ed McCauley? Ed McCauley and, Danny, Ed. and Danny Miller, Easy Ed. And that was a class, uh, although that particular semester, I don't think I hardly saw him over four or five times because being in the class, I knew he was in the class, mm -hmm. but playing basketball, they were out playing basketball on the road here and road there, so I didn't see him. But I knew he was part of the class, he was on the roster. And they did their work. I, basketball players, I suppose they had somebody on the tutor them on the road or with the team. So, and when they were there in town, they would come in and be there for a little while and then they would leave. But I, I know that he was in the uh, in the class, one class that I had. So after after your summer school, you started going Regular. Regular? Regular school. See, I had a checkered type of thing. I started in that May of 45. I'm not sure why I didn't get it, but in September of 45, I didn't go to school. I stayed out. But then I went back in January of 46. You stayed out? I didn't go in that first semester after that summer school. Okay. But I went back in January of 46. May I ask why you stayed in? I'm not sure unless, unless, I'm saying I didn't go in that September. There was one September that I didn't go. It may have been because of what I was doing in the post office. Maybe I had a different new scheme that I was studying or working on or something, and learning that scheme and working and being in school too would have been too much. I felt it was too much. There was one September I didn't go. But even though I didn't go one September, I still graduated, I thought was uh, with 100 and 129, 130 credits, see, If you start in May, which I did, of 45, and I graduated in May of 48. That's three years, isn't it? May of 45, May of 46, 47, 48. So actually, I graduated in two and a half years because I was out of school that one semester. But I did go to summer school, to those, summer other, school. those other times. Mm -hmm. After May of 45, I did go to summer school in May of 46 and May of 47. But most of the time I was taking 15 to 18 hours, which was quite a few hours because a lot of times today when kids are in school, if they take 12 hours, they think that's a low. Uh, were you, were you, so you were friends with the white people in the class and so did they and you studied I mean there was no problem help getting help or asking questions of each other or well I find this and maybe it just may be me there are some Caucasians that even in today or yesterday or years ago that if they are by themselves and deal with themselves 
they are there and I find that it's best not to go in and try to make friends with someone that does not want to be friends with you. But I found that if you study and you kind of know what you're doing, that you will find that there will be other whites, others, sometime whites, that will come around you and work with you and do things. Now, in my, the school that I entered into, Commerce and Finance School, I, my main object was to get into school. I felt that once I got into school, I could still transfer to any of those other schools I wanted to transfer to, to major in math or whatever, what have you. However, once I was in the School of Commerce and Finance, and I found that I was taking courses such as accounting, business law, business uh, economics, I found those courses to be fascinating, something that I had not heard of before. I did not know anything about. So once I was in those, in that school and in those subjects, I wanted to learn those subjects and stay in that school, which I did. And I know many times that I talked with some of the classmates, white fellows, and we talked about what we were going to do with accounting, what we were going to do with economics. And a lot of times they would say, well, I've got an uncle that's got an accounting firm, or I've got an uncle that's got a business, and I can use my accounting to work with him in his business. What are you going to do with it? I said, I don't know, but it's a good subject, and I'll find something to do. So I'm going to stay with it. So I did. Uh, were here, you, you were working hard, you were studying hard, uh, you had your bill of, your, uh, the GI bill, of GI right. bill of Rights, and uh, your money from the post office. Did you have any uh, financial problems as far as um, trying to dress in a certain way? Was there any pressure? Uh, in keeping up, I say this because you you weren't far from Huntsville. <laughs> it, it wasn't very many years. Uh, you had a lot of um, uh, sort of changes, really changes. You you were a young boy in Huntsville, then all of a sudden you're in the army, and then all of a sudden you're living in a city, and um, now you're in college. Well. With regards to dressing, I have never really felt that you have to have the best of clothes, you have to have dressed this way or that way. Although the cousin that I stayed with was a good dresser, he had a lot of good clothes. He bought his clothes where I started shopping at the old Greenfield store downtown who handled good good clothes. They had good merchandise, Greenfields. So I started buying clothes there. And uh, then when they closed, uh, Older Wolves. And I found them to have very good clothes and this type of thing. And I really never was one to try to keep up with the Joneses or try to have the best of this, the best of that. I mean, you give me a shirt and a tie or, or a, suit and uh, I can put it on and, and go on and feel like I'm 
just as good as anybody else or go where I want to go and, and don't think about it. That's the ideal, yeah. but sometimes young people do feel, and old people, <laughs> right. do there, feel that kind of pressure. Yeah, and there was one time... Being black or uh, Negro in a white uh, so-called uh, community, school-type community, I wondered if, if that mattered. No, it really didn't matter. There was, uh, contrary to what you were asking me or what we were talking about, there was one time that I can recall having, and it may have been when I was over there enrolling in school, I remember being a young person, how that we buy this and we buy that, and I remember at one point in time of having a very light hat. And this very light hat was, a, a, I'd say, a hat that they were selling a lot of. And I was talking with, if it wasn't a dean, it was someone else. And the, the person I was talking with made one comment about my hat. And although they did not make a comment about it being uneconomical to have a hat of that color, because if you have a hat of that color, color today, I would not advise anyone to buy a hat like that because you would have it in the cleaners more than it would be out, and it could, it would only, it would have to be clean. You could not wash it or clean it otherwise. Mm -hmm. And made a comment saying that that is a nice hat you have. It's beautiful. And with that comment, I looked at that, glanced at that hat and I looked at the material and it was something that had to be cleaned. It was not like today where that you have material that you can wash and wear, that you can throw in the washing machine and wash it and just put it on after it's dry and go on and don't have to be pressed or ironed or this type of thing. And I thought about since that time, I have everything I buy, I always think about how it can be used and what can you do with it. Is it does it have to be dry cleaned or what? Mm -hmm. And think about that and everyone should before they go buying it because it costs you a lot of money. If you've got a shirt that anytime you wear it, you've got to have it dry cleaned before you can wear it again. Or if you've got a hat that you have got to have dry cleaned before you can use it again, that can get to be expensive. How about the teachers? Did you feel any uh, yes, I, uh, problems the teach, from the teachers? The teachers, I think, were... As far as being Negro? Some of them were, were good, but some of them were, were uh, real unfair, I thought. Now, I'm glad you asked that question. There was one teacher, and I can't forget him. This teacher really it was in a math class in summer school. Your first year? Not the first year, another year. In the class were two boys, two young men, that were in this teacher's class back in high school. These boys had been in military service and now they were out of military service and they were in school. This teacher was a teacher in high school, but now he was teaching at St. Louis U. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that class discussion involved talking about baseball rather than talking about the subject matter. And when the deal went down and, and grades came out, I recall getting 
a C in that particular course. And we did not cover anything more in that class than I had in high school. And two of the people in that class, one black and one white, got their homework problems from me. And they both got A's in that course. And I got a C. They were white. One was black and one was white. I did not talk baseball because back in those days I didn't know anything about not being a native St. Louisian. I didn't know Johnny Hop, Johnny Myers, and some of those baseball players back in those days. I couldn't talk baseball. So I didn't join in and talk baseball. And I took it that since I didn't talk baseball, the teacher didn't know me. So he gave me a C. Now, it could have been that I flubbed on the final exam, but I don't think so. Because the subject matter, and I knew the subject, I knew the problem, and, I, and as I said, uh, the students got their homework, copied my homework, we worked the stuff out together, and I knew the subject. Did you ever talk to them about it? No. I mean, that's another time when I got the grade and he was gone and uh, didn't get the grade until, let's say, a week or two after school was out anyway, or when something was going on. I didn't know where he was anyway, how to get in touch with it, so I didn't worry about it. I just went on and, and said, well, we'll do better next time. We'll just watch that and try to make sure it doesn't happen again. This may seem like a, a strange question to you, but was there anything that you cried in your pillow about at night in those days? That's a good question, but the answer is no. Good. Because uh, back in those days when I was in school and working uh, too, I mean, I didn't have time to cry. I mean, uh, I, 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 that's a good question, but I kind of look up on that like I look up on the fact that one day, well, after I graduated from, from uh, St. Louis U, and uh, I hadn't been out very long at all when I got a telephone call one day from a guy who started a school, and he started a school, he wanted someone to teach accounting in his school. Mm -hmm. So this was a... Uh, what school was it? Well, it was a college, uh, a guy that used to be in teaching high school, he started a business school. Douglas? No, uh, Hubbard Business School. Okay. And something you probably never heard of, Hubbard Business School. The guy's name was Elmer Hubbard. And he started a business school, and he had uh, courses such as income tax, uh, accounting, a, was this business a Negro law. Person? Was this a Negro? Or yeah, what? Negro. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess what did I start to say? You asked me a question about oh. crying at night. You didn't have time. Yeah, I didn't have time. Man. Now, when I started teaching for him, and I'd been teaching for him a couple of years, and one day I woke up in the morning, and uh, I had a stomach ache. It was hurting right down in here, my stomach, upset. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor put one hand on me. And he said, normally, I would operate tomorrow. But on you, I'm going to operate today. He said, you've got, your appendix is messing up. So you go home, and I'll call you and tell you where to go. And you go, and I'm going to operate on you today. 
So I did that. I went home, and when the nurse called me, I went to St. Mary's. You remember the St. Mary's infirmary? I went, and uh, I got there, say, like at about 3 o'clock, got on pajamas, and the bed was there. At 4 o'clock, they were willing me to operate on So what I'm saying is that when certain things happen to you, they happen, you know, this type of way. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to to okay. think about this yeah. and that. And I'd rather have it that way than to, than to have time mm -hmm. to say that uh, I'm going to wonder where about how this operation is going to come out. By the way, uh, before we leave St. Louis, you um, could you eat in any place there that you wanted, or did you have to bring your lunch, or was everything integrated uh, with toilet facilities? Um, the toilet facilities, as far as I know, were integrated, but when you speak of eating, I mean, I went to class, and uh, after class, I went on uh, left because, uh, I mean, I, I didn't, uh, very seldom did I eat there. I might get a bag of this or a bag of that, like everybody else, but most of the time when I went, and when I finished the class, I would be leaving, or unless we had a study period or something where that we were studying or working on the problems or reviewing this or that, I didn't, uh, I, I don't, don't know, I remember where the cafeteria was the same old <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't, I don't. Long time ago, anyway. I don't remember where the uh, cafeteria was. Were you affiliated with a church? A church? Mm -hmm. I'm a member of a church. Were you then, I mean? I guess I was uh, a member of a church way back, you see, this was, uh, I attended, the church was at my uh, that my cousin used to attend, mm -hmm. which was uh, Antioch uh, church called Antioch. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, the Baptist. It, yeah, Baptist Antioch Baptist. You were going to say, I'll tell you what. In those days, I really didn't belong to uh, to Antioch. I just went because my cousin attended. And in in those days, I thought about the fact that I was going to the school. And I thought about maybe joining the uh, the uh, Catholics and uh, attending that church that was on the corner there on Lindell and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and and Grand. But I uh, what one reason I did not attend uh, join that church was this. I found now don't get me wrong when I say this because I think courses in in religion and theology are good courses. But if I had or was Catholic, I found that I would have had to take, it would have been mandatory to take certain religious courses. And I felt that I could stand subject courses such as uh, business law or business English or business math or this type of thing would have been more fruitful to me than, uh, let's say, religious courses. Clarence, you're coming across as a very practical, very forthright, very uh, thinking individual. Um, even when you were a very young man, you seemed to have a straight line of an instinct of what was good for you and what you wanted and sort of how to get it. And in the best possible way, and I commend you for that. Was there someone, what was, was there someone who had a special impact 
steer you? Not really. I think that this cousin, when I came to St. Louis and stopped in because as a cousin, he and his mother had been to visit us out state Missouri a number of times and we had been to his house a number of times before my mother passed, just coming and going like uh, when you're growing up and these things happen. And him being an older person, and I spent some time around him, I think maybe he in some way kind of with his feet on the ground and being a, a good thinker and the type of person he was, he from time to time would comment like when I was talking about going out east someplace to go to school and he asked the question, where are you going? Have you checked it out? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what's out there? And I had not. I mean, the thing of it is, uh, he, he said things that would make you start stop and want to start to say, now wait a minute, what am I going to do? Before I do that over there, I have got to stop here and, and let's say build a plan. And attending St. Louis U, there were courses in logic, philosophy, the uh, well, I said theology, but philosophy of man, philosophy of being. You took those? Yes, mm -hmm, actually. You had to take those. But if I had become Catholic, there would have been at least two other courses that I would have taken in the religious field in addition to the others. Mm -hmm. So. Couldn't afford that. Well, I felt the that I felt that the other courses, courses in economics, the courses in uh, history, which you have to take, and mm -hmm. some of the other courses would have been a greater benefit mm -hmm. to me at that time, at least. How about a job now? Uh, or was graduation day? Did you participate in a regular graduation? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cap, gown, and everything else. Was your father still living? Yes, my father was living at that time, but he did not come. I have two sisters that did come. They're living up in the Mobile in the area up there that did come, but my father did not. He, at that time, he was living in Springfield, Illinois, was but it a, he did not come. Tell me about that day and what, what did it mean to you? Well, it meant a lot because uh, as quiet as it's kept and uh, in my family, immediate family. I had the older sister who I said a minute ago was in July will be 83. I have a younger sister that two years older than I am and a brother that's younger, a one year younger. And out of the four of us, and I, I know that when my before my mother passed, that's the time when she lived back there, the time when Joe Lewis was a boxing champion. Mm -hmm. And she used to talk about uh, that she would uh, like to have uh, someone in the family that was uh, that meant something and someone that uh, was dependable and someone that that m would mean something, someone that would graduate in college and this and that and the other. But then she had a heart attack and died, so uh, so she would never see it. But uh, it it meant that somebody in the family finally graduated from college. Now I know my sister younger sister, she did attend college uh, for a couple of years and then quit. And my brother, naturally, he dropped out of school before. And my oldest sister, 
she finished high school, so really no one in the family ever ever graduated from uh, college. So it meant that somebody finally from from the family graduated from college. Did did you feel any responsibility of being one of the first blacks at the same mission? I thought about that uh, being a responsibility to really go out and be in the community and do some things and this type of thing. However, there again, one of the reasons I guess that I really never did reach a potential that I thought or do the th some of the things that I thought because even though you think about things, you also think about your own self and you think about where you are and, and what's going on in your life. And at that particular time, working in the post office, still working in the post office, I continued to work in the post office and when uh, after a short while when this I got this call, this gentleman had school and he wanted someone to teach accounting, I uh, talked with him, met with him, and uh, I started teaching accounting for him. So working in the post office in the PM, I was still working like from 3 to 11, mm -hmm. and uh, so I started teaching uh, school for him, and I taught school uh, for him from 8.30 to 1.30. And for 10 years, I, w I taught uh, when school was in existence from 8.30 to 1.30, five days a week, and I'd work in the post office from 3 to 11.30. And uh, it was uh, something that I enjoyed, and some of the students that I had do for, did very well. One of the students right now is the principal of Sumner High School. Oh, really? Mr. King. He went from uh, from there. He got into school, and he went and he, he continued and went somewhere else. And he's got his degrees, and he's a he is there. And I know a couple of other fellows that are. They are got their doctorate degree, and they are working with the Board of Education. And uh, I know a couple of lawyers. Uh, Judge Judge Tillman was. Uh, oh, I've talked to him. He went to law school, and I think they had some type of law school that, that they uh, developed a little later on, in connection with um, Lincoln University or somewhere mm -hmm. another in right. the law school. Right. And he's got his law degree, and uh, he came over to. Uh, wants to get some courses in accounting. Was that at Coro? Uh, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, Judge Tillman and uh, and there was a Turner and, and took, some, okay. some others that uh, took some courses in accounting. Hmm. And his wife is a doctor. Tillman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Pediatrician. Is she really? Mm -hmm. Pediatrician. Um, and who was the other one? King, Tillman, and... Oh, there was a, an name attorney named Turner. I think Turner. he died, though. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Did the NAACP or the Urban League ever contact you for any reason? Did you have any, ever have anything to do with them? or? Um, Not really. I, I mean, I, because you were uh, the fir one of the first. Well, they have never contacted me. I've I mean, in those days. I contribute to them uh, yeah. memberships-wise, but no, but they never contact me about anything, no. Or any, so you were never involved with any organized civil rights movement? Or Not really, per se, because as I, 
say when I, I think you can see there that you were busy. anyone as <laughs> busy as I uh, am or was, they uh, really you don't have time. You you get involved somewhat, but then sometimes you you're kind of weighing off now. After um, working with that business school and mm -hmm. the uh, and being around that school, and when the GI Bill starts to wind winding out, and and they stop getting what, people what that years are we up to now? You you, you graduated forty five, so we're now we're fifty five. Mm, you graduated forty eight. No, we're in fifty eight. I graduated in forty eight. And you and you worked at the post office and taught for ten years. So yeah, I started to teach in there really in forty nine. Okay. And I, I talked really up to 1960. Okay, what, what were you going to start to talk about? Because I have I was, a couple I was of going questions. To, I was going to say this. Uh, this is just off the record. Uh, mm -hmm. I was just going to well, say that on. after the Page school, okay. after the school and a lot of the students and things uh, were no the school attendance and so forth, and I felt that they no longer needed me, I had an uh, opportunity to, and I switched and from the post office government job and went over to the Internal Revenue Service and worked as a revenue agent mm -hmm. with the uh, Internal Revenue Service for a while and uh, then uh, after being with them for a while I left there and went to another couple other government agencies I ended up before I retired from the government working with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and that's where you fight discrimination nation where people if they feel they're discriminated against yes. file charges and things like that mm -hmm. and uh, that type of thing but uh, go back to to what I want to say back in 1950 well one year in the post office there somewhere or another I started working with the training staff and I had the opportunity to work with new employees in the post office mm -hmm. and that was uh, rewarding because you trained and worked with people, new employees, and, mm -hmm. and try to make them feel at home and not feel the way I felt when I first went to the post office. I felt like uh, I was uh, there, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't uh, know how I was going to make out. I didn't know whether they appreciated me trying to work and uh, trying to do the best I could and this type of thing. So I tried to encourage some of the others uh, way that I thought they could have encouraged, well, although I didn't say so, I don't think, there could have been people that could have encouraged you a little better and made you feel at home and this type of thing. Mm -hmm. Although I, I worked hard and some of the supervisors and things, I think, kind of noticed that I was trying to do the best I could and, and they gave me the benefit of the doubt. I never could realize how that when I worked in the post office at one time, originally way back when, there, there would be people that would be working and the floor itself, let's say if this was a floor, it would be air conditioned, but the restrooms were hot and there would be some people that they would rather leave this nice area where it's air conditioned and go in the darn hot restroom to goof off. I never could understand that. <laughs> to do nothing. <laughs> That's why you're probably... Uh made a success, whatever you want to, however you want to spell it, and uh, <laughs> and they probably didn't. They're probably still goofing off, whether it's air conditioned or not. It's <laughs> a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, does that make sense to you? 
if you don't want to work, it does, I guess. <laughs> Everybody's priorities are different. <laughs> we're covering we're covering 20, 20 years here, from, 40s, from 1940 to 1960. Uh, St. Louis was changing. St. Louis had changed. Um, what did that mean to you? Where, when did you begin to go into places, eating, movies, uh, or social, or whatever? I know that you were still busy and that you didn't have much chance to have a social life, but what did those changes mean to you? Well, what those changes meant, and I can think about the Admiral. At one time, as you probably know, the Admiral Entertainment Place. Mm -hmm. Blacks could go, only go on the Admiral on Thursdays. And I wondered why for a long time. And then I became aware of the fact that Thursdays was the maid day of. So a lot of the maids in places, private families and so forth, they were on Thursdays, they were off. And I don't know why they picked Thursdays to let the blacks go on the Admiral. But the blacks went on the Admiral on Thursdays. And if you wanted to go on the Admiral other time, I don't think you could go on them, that's my understanding. But in the 50s now, starting in the 50s, they start to allow them with the thanks to Mr. Henry Wheeler and Josie I. Thomas and some others, they start to open it up and you could go here and go there. And in some cases you go and like up on Grand if you went, you set up in there, you could go, but you set way up in the back. And uh, you, know, you couldn't just sit anywhere you wanted to sit when you go in. They had a certain area where the blacks were supposed to sit. But in about the mid-50s, as I can recall, you could go to these places and you could just go wherever you wanted to go and sit where you wanted to sit. And I know in the 50s, I would go on the Admiral sometimes and uh, and I would just, just relax and enjoy it. Was it something that was easy to do or was it difficult at first? No, it, uh, I guess in my particular case it wasn't difficult for me to do because from 1943 to 45, when I was working in the post office and being around all types of people, blacks and whites, and then being in the post office and specifically in the 50s and working where I was working and the uh, supervisors there having put faith in you and giving you certain job assignments where the, in the post office they call them Popeyes. Mm -hmm. And that's where that you weren't a supervisor but you would do the things that the supervisors would do. And Popeyes, that what does that mean? <laughs> that's what they call a person that is not a supervisor, but they fill in and do the things that the supervisors do. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But the word Popeye doesn't, am I missing that's, something? That's what in the post office. I know, they, I, you've they, explained that, but, I, but it's the word. Uh, is there a connotation for anything? No, okay. except that's what the people in the post office in those days, they called the person that was uh, not the supervisor, but he filled, felt yeah. filled in mm -hmm. and did the same that the supervisor did. In other words, give, gave job assignments or was uh, 
telling the other employees what to do and how to do it and this type of thing. Okay. Um, if I ask you about your life and I ask you what was the best, what would you say? By that you mean what do I enjoy doing or what do I like doing or what do I... Just, it, it isn't, it's just a, it's not even, doesn't have, just what was the best, either what was the best thing that ever happened to you or what was the best thing you did, just off the top of your head without a great deal of thought. Um, what did I enjoy, what have I enjoyed doing most. No, not particularly that, but go ahead and answer. What have you enjoyed doing most? Well, throughout the years, I feel that my life has been good from coming to St. Louis, to meeting people, to working in the post office and having the opportunity to meet people that many, many years later, I run across people that I worked with and met because working in the post office, at one point in time, every Christmas, they had many, many people that would come in to work just during the Christmas holidays. And you would meet those people. And many of those people you still run across here and there. Having worked in the school, Hubbard Business School, taught for 10 or more years, taught accounting, taught business law, business math, many courses, some of the students and people that you met, I still see those people periodically. I run across someone that I haven't seen for a long, long time. Then, having worked from the post office and teaching school, having been with the Internal Revenue Service for approximately 10 or more years and tried to administer the internal revenue laws and regulations. That was in the that, 60s. In the, in the 60s. In the, that was 60 to 70, of course, mm -hmm. and that was that was nice, uh, meeting people and working with people and trying to help uh, the elderly prepare their tax returns and do those type of things. And then from the 70, I can bring it up to date, <laughs> from the 70 when I left the Internal Revenue Service, I spent years with the Department of Labor. That's uh, LMSA, Labor Management Service Administration, where I was able to help people and people that were trying to have a union, an effective union, and trying to help them be able to file and prepare their financial reports, their labor management reports that they file with the government. Most of all rewarding, I believe, though, would have been the last, uh, say, six years <clears throat> before I retired in 1980, where did I work with people in general, I was a supervisor with the EEOC, Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, where I had the opportunity to work with investigators who were charged with investigating discriminatory complaints, complaints that were filed by the elderly against their employers for mistreating them, uh, complaints that were filed by many women because they felt that they were being underpaid or mistreated with regards to their employment, their pay, and other things. Uh, blacks were that they felt that they were being mistreated because of the um, 
working with an employer who was underpaying them or not giving them fair treatment that they were or not giving them the same treatment that they were giving other employees. So that's, I feel that I've had a rich life having uh, been here and been there and from there to here there are so many things that have happened that I just feel blessed that I have come this way and been here to really meet and greet and, and be around people in general because there are people, people, people all over the place and many, many people have different thoughts and ideas and who's to say they may be right on some of theirs. However, I don't happen to agree with a lot of people that I've met on some of their ideas, their thoughts, the way they feel about things, but it's still a big world and there's still a lot of things in this world to do and a lot of things to, to accomplish and be accomplished. What's the most difficult? The most difficult thing in this world? No, for you and your life in the 40s or 50s. In the 40s and 50s, the most difficult thing was to I need to really think about that for a moment, but the most difficult, as I can recall, was trying to make a better grade when I didn't have time to do more studying to get on top of subjects sometimes. That was the most difficult thing. Good, good answer. Um, what had you wanted to do? You said sometime you were, you may not have done what you had in mind. Well, originally when I first started out to go to school, I wanted to major in math. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to major in math and to get on top of math and be a mathematician. But after being around accounting and in that field and, and studying it, I found it to be very interesting. I found that there were many things in the accounting field that could be done. And I still, right now, even though I am retired, retired in 1980, I find that there are many people that once their books and records and tax returns and things prepared and I find that I don't I do not have enough time to really accomplish and do many of the things that I would like to do. Another thing I would like to do is well I regret that back in the earlier days when I was in school, I didn't get involved with the computer, still not involved with the computer, but there is so much that can be done with the computer. And I feel that I've got to take time someday and get in with the computers and, and put those computers to work the way that they could be working. Uh, all right. What, so the post office was really special for, for Negroes, it, it really? It was a special place. I would say it's a special place because the post office in the 40s and 50s kept, in my opinion, a lot of blacks going. It kept them, uh, it bridged a gap that without the post office, I wonder where some of the blacks would be today. But the black, the post office in the 40s and the 50s was the place where that it gave economic value to many blacks. Stable. Stability. 
was like a second home in a way. I think so. I think so. And of course today, I would say that it still is just doing the same thing for many today because as a, a tax accountant and being in and around the city and things, I know that today there are many, many blacks still in the post office and making it an existence because of the post office. Is there anything that you can think of that I haven't asked you that you'd like to say? About, about the 40s and 50s, about segregation, about the difficulties, about uh, any of the issues? Well, I was thinking yesterday, after talking with you, that Joseph Clark himself would be a real person that really should talk with you. Mm -hmm. I've, I've called him. I hope to call him and make an appointment, but I, I have talked to him on the phone once. And I see him periodically. I am currently on the board of managers of the YMCA, and I meet, have meetings periodically on this and that. And Joseph Clark comes to our meetings sometimes. Joseph Clark, along with uh, some other people, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so I am around him now, and it would be good, in my opinion, if he were to give you his view on some of this, because he was right into it and involved with it, and he still is in the position where that he would, uh, thank you, he would uh, be able to talk with you and, and tell you about these periods. Mm -hmm. And when, I know at one time, he was the welfare director with the city of St. Louis, mm -hmm. and, uh, a position that was good and I know that he in that position he did a lot of good things mm -hmm. and I, I know that at one point in my life even though I'm normally pretty busy I know that I worked with a senior citizens group and at the time I worked with that senior citizens group Mr. Clark was a welfare director and in a position to be of assistance and help the uh, senior citizens group do a lot of things and obtain a lot of things and and get food that was uh, could be passed out to the seniors in the uh, in the area where that the community that we were serving mm -hmm. and without Mr. Joseph Clark that would have been impossible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was that in what what years was that? Oh, that it wasn't. Was, uh, it that wasn't. was only the last few years. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't between forty and well, sixty. Well, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, I think he would. I think he would talk, but if you run into him, please tell him that uh, we've had this experience and, and that. Uh, well, I don't have. To, I could give him a special call and talk with him. Uh, he told me to call like. him back. As a matter of fact, um, I, I, I feel no hesitancy about calling him. Um, if I run into difficulty, I'll, I'll call you. Okay, <laughs> and, we'll do that. Uh, We'll leave, we'll leave it that way, but I thank you. Um, all right, w one last question, because he was of such value to you and help. What did your cousin do? My cousin was employed with the medical, he was employed with the government, 
I want to say the medical center, but the medical depot they called it at the time when he was there. He left there and went to work with Dempsey and Tegler. And Dempsey and Tegler, when they discontinued their stockbroker's business, he went back to work with the government before he retired. I mean, he's, he's been dead now for, for 10 years. He must have missed him. Yeah, he's a pretty good man. He was, um, you meet people that they're quiet, they have a head, they say something, and what they say is really something of substance. They don't talk just to hear themselves talk. It means something. And he was, he was a good man. When you graduated, now we're reaching back, okay, I, I keep hesitating to let you go. When you graduated from St. Lucie, did they do anything, even though you were offered this job by um, Mr. Hubbard, mm -hmm. but did the college itself do anything about uh, no, counseling I, you as far as getting a job? No, I, I didn't, uh, I really didn't ask them or didn't talk with them, but no one ever called me. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, I'm just wondering. It could have been that Mr. Hubbard got my name from the college. Mm -hmm. yeah, I really didn't, I did not ask him where he got my name, but I know that I was called. You were so glad he called. <laughs> yes, I was glad he called, and uh, we went from there. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he got my name. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for coming. Well, I hope talking. I haven't bored you. It's been nice talking with you, sister. <laughs> you haven't bored me at all. It's been a treat, and it's and I've learned something, uh, especially about the post office. I think you've shed some important light on on the meaning of it for Negroes in those days. So if I think of anything else, I won't hesitate to call you. And if you think of anything else, okay. You call me. Okay. Thanks. Well, it's nice having talk with you. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, the other day when you called and you said Prince. Okay. You're a princess, aren't you? <laughs> okay.